Welcome back. It's your boy, Leonard Tanks, Jr., pastor of Reach City Church. And I'm so thankful that you have tuned in for another episode of God's Prescription. What God prescribes is always the best treatment. We have been walking through this series, uh, just learning from the scriptures, things that God is prescribing to us in our hardships and our troubles that will help to bring us deliverance, help to bring us healing, relief, comfort. And so today, as we look at what God is prescribing today, he's prescribing you and I. What exactly does that mean? Well, tune in to find out. What God prescribes is always the best treatment. And so as I was thinking about this prescription today, I started thinking about this movie called The Overcomer. It's a Christian movie called Overcomer. And I was just remembering something that happened. Now this movie is full of nuggets of all types of, just all types of things in this movie. But one thing that I thought about that kind of stood out to, especially what we're talking about today, is in this movie to overcome, I'm gonna give a fast overview. In this movie to overcome, you have this, this, this ex-drug addict who finds Christ eventually, um, but he's blind now because of the drug use and he, he's essentially dying. Um, he has a child that he hasn't seen in years because because of the drug use the mom overdosed and died and so he ran away because of his because you know guilt and things like that so the grandma had been raising this child right and now this young girl she cool she got anger issues she a thief um <laughs> right she needs jesus um but she runs and she has asthma and she runs cross country right so now the, the track coach happens to be in a hospital for something completely different. He accidentally goes in the wrong room, meets this guy, and they start having this relationship. And so he's challenging him on all types of stuff. We're not going to talk about those nuggets. But in this interaction, he realizes that the young lady that he's coaching is the daughter of this man and who has, he hasn't seen in years. And she thinks that her parents both died because that's what the grandma told her. Okay. This man is a... In this movie, previous to all of this, the man is lonely. He just kind of sits in a hospital bed, waiting to die blind. This girl is just depressed and alone as well. She don't have any friends. Um, but all of a sudden, they connect. And when they connect, there became a joy that came back into the father. One, he meets his daughter for the first time. But then, as they continue on, he has this joy of being able to teach her things because he was, he, was he was an amazing cross-country runner, right? And so now he's excited. He, he can't wait for the next day um, so he can see his daughter. She can't wait to see him. Her Now, she gets saved, and so her attitude's changed. She starts giving back all the stuff she's been stealing from people, right? Um, but her attitude changes, um, and there becomes this desire for their interaction together. And as I'm thinking about that, I start to think about how important it is for community and how community is a form of medicine. That engaging with people has the ability to turn our ups, our downs up into when we're down and we're in despair, engaging with people, the right people, has the ability to turn that around and, and get us to this place of joy. And so this movie reminded me of exactly what today's prescription is, and it's the church. What is God prescribing to us in the midst of our hardships, our afflictions, our troubles? Well, quite easily, he's prescribing to us the church. <coughs> now, obviously, if you guys 
was at Bible study a couple weeks ago. You know when I say church, I'm not talking about this building or any other building where people go and worship. The Greek word for church is ekklesia, which means just means gathering, an assembly. The church is people. So when I say that God has prescribed the church, what I'm saying is God has prescribed to us in our times of hardships, troubles, and afflictions each other. He's prescribed to us each other, you and I. So I'm not addressing coming to a building. The bigger point that I'm trying to get at is that God has given us, you and I, as a conduit of blessings in our times of trouble. God has given to us, you and I, as a conduit of his blessings in our times of troubles and hardships. All right. Did you know that God brings blessings to individual Christians in our times of trouble through the church? Now, this is going to be new for some of us. But the church is the visible representation of God's attribute. We are the visible representation or the physical representation of his presence. What do I mean? Right, so I've been reading this book called Living Together by Diedrich Bonhoeffer. It's, it's very small book, amazing read, really good read, you should read it, it's really small. But he makes this statement. He says, the prisoner, the sick person, the Christian in exile sees the companionship of a fellow Christian as a physical sign of the gracious presence of the triune God. Now, now, you think about that, you're like, all right, so the prisoner, the heart, person in hardship, the person that's in exile sees the fellowship of a Christian brother as, a, as the gracious presence of a triune God. And so what Bonhoeffer was saying was that the physical presence of a believer represents the gracious presence of God. In other words, the body of Christ is the visible representation of God's attributes. What does that actually mean and is it true? So there's this Greek phrase. Don't worry about the phrase. I'm going to say it. I'll try to remember it. I'll tell you what it means. <laughs> right. Um, but it's Theos pas paraklesis. Right. And what it means is the God of all comfort. Right. An attribute of God, according to 2 Corinthians 1, 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comforts, the, the, the Theos pas paraklesis, right? That's the attribute of God. However, how does God bring that comfort? Because that becomes the question. We say God is a God of all comfort, but what does that actually mean? Right? If comforter is an attribute of God, and if the church is to be the visible representation of the attributes of God, then we should be able to see God using us as a conduit of bringing comfort, right? All right, 2 Corinthians 7, 5, 6. Paul says, but even when we came into Macedonia, our bodies had no rest. What's that? We call that anxiety. But we were afflicted, hardships, at every turn, everywhere they went. Fighting without and fear within. But God, who does what? Theos pas paraclesis, right? The God of all comforter. But God who comforts the downcast comforted us how? By the coming of Titus. The God of all comfort brought his comfort by the means of a fellow believer, by the companionship of a fellow believer. The church, you and I, are the visible representation of the attributes of God. God is the God of all comfort, and he flows that comfort through the companion of believers, the companionship of believers. God has given those of us who are being afflicted and troubled the church as an expression of his grace in order that we may be comforted in our times of trouble. This is why I say, you got to get to church. You got to get to service. You need to belong to a church. It's not because we necessarily are trying to get big numbers. It's not because we just want to have a big crowd. It's because, no, what you're looking for, what you need, 
is in the body. And I know some people can say, but I got a lot of companionship. I got a lot of friends. That's great. But those friends can't, can't if they're not believers, if they, are not, if they have not confessed faith in Jesus Christ, if they do not know the Lord, those friends may be good companionship. And naturally, just companionship is healthy for us. But unless there are believers, they cannot be the conduit in which God flows his attributes through. They can't bring you the joy of the Lord. They can't give you the peace of the Lord. They can't give you the comfort of God. They can give you something. But, they, but God can't flow his attributes through them because he flows them through his body. Why? Because he's given us his spirit. And so the church is the unspeakable gift of God for the lonely, the downcasted, the outcasted, the afflicted, and the troubled. This is why I stress the need for proper doctrine and teaching from the pulpit. Because I believe that, that because many people think church is just this building or this Sunday service, that we don't see the value in it. We kind of go if we want to go. If we don't feel like going, we don't go. I was, I was down today. I didn't, I didn't feel like it. I was, I was going through something. That's... When that happens, that is the, the, the reason to get to the gathering. Whether it's Sunday, Saturday, Tuesday, Wednesday, that is when you need to call up the brethrens and the sisterins and say, I need you. That is the, when, 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 when I talk to people and they say, how do you know when you're supposed to invite somebody to church? I said, you got to know what to listen for. What type of stuff you listen for? If I'm talking to somebody and they say, yeah, I just moved here from out of town. I don't really know nobody. Perfect, per perfect, perfect person to invite to church. Why? Because they probably don't have a community. If I'm talking to somebody and they say, man, listen, man, life, I'm just going through life. It's hard. I, man, I really, I, I, man, I'm struggling with this thing. Perfect person for the gospel and to invite to a gathering. Why? Because what you're looking for and what you need is in the presence of the people of God. You got, well, these are the types of people, not you should come to church. Why? Because it's going to be some good preaching. No, 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 you sound like you need to be around the people of God. You sound like you need the attributes of God to fall on you. And that is going to flow through the people of God. We are an extension of the grace of God in our lives. So many people tend to neglect it because, it's, especially in this generation, if you cannot see the value or purpose in something, they're not going to put their time in it. Why, why am I going to church? I can, I can get preaching on YouTube. You see what I'm saying? It has to be something bigger than just preaching and worship. I can worship and sing songs on YouTube at home. Now, we gather to worship. We gather to, to, to study the word of God. We gather to do the, uh, 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 the, the sacraments. Those things, we gather to pray corporately. We do all of that. However, I could do that technically at home. So why do I need to be in the presence of people? Why do I need to leave my house in the cold? Why do I got to drive 40 minutes, right, to get here? I can do it for free in bed under the covers on YouTube. It's because YouTube ain't flowing no attributes of God through that, that, that small little screen that we watch. It's the presence of believers that God is saying, get amongst my people and watch me do something. All around the world, believers today are hurting and going through it and tapping out because they are not connected to the body in a meaningful way. That's also key. Because a lot of people go to church. But they're not connected. The body isn't working for them because they're not connected in a meaningful way. Meaning they only go on Sunday. But they're not, during the week, they're not engaging with their brothers and sisters in the Lord. They're not, you know what I'm saying? It's, they're, not, they're not, you know, serving and things like that. Those are meaningful ways to engage in church. So they suffer alone or, 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 or they keep the wrong company. See, people will run to their unsaved friends before they call a fellow brother and sister. Listen, as a, as a Christian... There's some advice that I'm only calling a fellow Christian for. 
There's only some advice that I only want to hear with somebody who is operating from the same word that I'm operating from, right? Because I got people I could call if I want to just go wild. You know what I'm saying? Man, this person made me mad. I, I got some people I could call that'd be like, let's go ride on them, <laughs> right? My flesh be like, call them. But the spirit be like, no, call this person that's gonna tell you you need to forgive them, <laughs> right? Because what I need in that moment is my flesh to be suppressed and the spirit to take control. And so I need to engage with people who's going to lead me in that way. Right? But people start going through things in the first, and they call people that's only going to give them advice that's going to feed and fuel the negative thing that they want to do in the first place. Right? People will run to the bar and the club before they run to the, to the worship service. It's not that, and, and here's the thing, it's not that people are suffering alone all the time. They're not in solitude all the time. It's, they're suffering, oh, I mean, they're surrounding themselves around people that God has not graced to bless their situation. He said, I've graced the body of Christ to be able to flow blessings through them to help your situation. And so we're keeping company, which is good. But there's sometimes the company we need to keep needs to be the people of God. Sometimes we got to, I just need to get to a service. I need to get around. I just need, because the gifts are flowing. For the believer, God's grace to comfort, to heal, to bring joy comes through the fellow believer. This is why the unknown author of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 10, 24 and 25, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting meeting together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day. What's the day? The Lord's day. The time of suffering and affliction and persecution when God is going to come and save those who belong to him and pour out wrath on those who don't. The more you see that day coming, the worse things are going to get for who? The people of God. As the day get closer to the Lord's return, he does not say that it's going to get better for the church. He says it's going to get worse for the church. And so the writer of Hebrews is saying, listen, don't neglect meeting together. Because the, the closer we get to the Lord returning, the more you need to meet together to be encouraged and to stir up one another. So many of us don't see the need to be together and we neglect it. And so we don't get the encouragement that we need. We don't get the, 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 the stirring or the spurring alone to continue in the faith when we're struggling. And some people look at this verse and they say, this is the command. That's why we use the command that you got to go to church. And okay, great. But when we make it a command in this verse, when we take the wrong expression, because I don't think this is the author's intent, when we take the wrong authorial intent here, then we make something a command and we minimize what the author is actually saying because the expression here is not that it's a command. The expression is here is an expression of necessity. The author is not saying, I command you to go to church. He said, listen, you need to go to church. There's a difference. There's a rebellion in the flesh when you say, I got to do something. But there's an acceptance when I realize I need to do something. The author is trying to express you have a need for the body of Christ. So don't neglect meeting because in it is your encouragement, in it is your joy, in it is your comfort, in it is your blessing. No, we should not neglect the communal life of the believer. But the reason why is because it is how we receive encouragement to preserve, to keep going and to keep fighting. See, through fellowship with each other, we are encouraged and strengthened in this journey called life. And everybody's got it. Life's just hard. <laughs> Don't matter if you're a believer or not. Life just is hard. <laughs> and we all need encouragement, period, to keep going. 
In Romans um, 1.11, Paul says this, For I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gifts to strengthen you. He says, I long to be amongst you so that I may give some spiritual gifts to you. And I talked about that word impart does not mean to give, it means to share, right? So I, I long to see you that I may share with you some spiritual gifts that we may be strengthened. That is that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. I long to be with you that I can share with you what God has gifted me so that I can encourage you and you can share with me what God has gifted you that you can encourage me. Paul said, I long to come and be with you so that we can be encouraged by the outpouring of God's gift and grace through the believers unto one another. See, Paul understood the importance of the community of believers, and he longed to be in the fellowship so that he could be encouraged. And listen, y'all, Paul had some stuff. He understood hardships, depression. He experienced it. 2 Corinthians 1, 8 and 9. He says, we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the afflictions we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we were what? Despaired of life. Abandonment? Oh, come on, he understood that. 2 Timothy 4, 16. At my first defense, no one came to stand by me, but all did what? Deserted. All deserted me. This is deep, deep. This is after his trial. This is his death row trial. Remember, he's on death row here. He's dying. And he's like, listen, at my first defense, and he's talking about when he first was arrested, he said, nobody came, but they all deserted me. Many. And he said, but don't charge it against them. Don't be mad at them. He's like, I felt the bad. I mean, these are my homies. We've been riding together. We out here sharing the gospel together. And then I get arrested and everybody bounce. And some of us feel like that. Where's the friends that say they are friends in our time of need? Where y'all at? And it sucks. It hurts. It's, it's hard. People bounce. People that you care for, love doing, pour it into, invest it in. They bounce. Persecution, hardships, tribulations. Paul experienced it all. Yet through it all, he leaned on the strength of the Lord, but noticed something. How he endured through all of this leaning on the strength of the Lord is because he said he longed for the fellowship of believers. Why? Because we are the visible representation of God, of the attributes of God, and through fellowshipping with each other, we are encouraged and strengthened. 2 Timothy 1.4. I'm going to give you an slide of scriptures real quick. As I remember your tears, 2 Timothy, as I remember your tears, he says, I long to see you. Why? <coughs> that I may be filled with joy. He says, I'm longing to see you for one reason. It's kind of selfish, but I need to be filled with joy. He's talking to Timothy. By the way, this is still his death. He's on death row when he's writing this letter to Timothy. And he's saying, listen, I long, I'm on death row. I long to see you that I may have a moment of joy. Right? Colossians 4.11. Uh, uh, Jesus, who was called Justice, uh, these are the only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God. And they have been a... Comfort to me. This another thing. This is Paul in prison first time. <laughs> when he got out, he got out here, but he was in prison writing this letter. Philemon chapter four. I mean, it ain't no chapter. Philemon four says this. I thank my God always when I remembered you in my prayers. And then he says in verse 7, For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. He says, I derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother. All of these verses that we see talk about the presence of God flowing through God-filled people. 
and they brought comfort to Paul in his moments of afflictions. Let me stress it again for the people in the back. The physical presence of other Christians is a source of incomparable joy and strength to the believer. God is prescribing you and I. We know that the presence of people has the ability to bring healing through strength and encouragement. Right? I, I've been in jail a few times. Just a few. Typically day four. Um, <laughs> and you don't understand the, the, just the desire to get a letter, a phone call, visit. Like, you want that. Like, you, you may, you can, listen, you may be an introvert. Go to jail. You gonna want somebody to come see you. <laughs> you gonna be an extrovert in a heartbeat. Like, I just see somebody. <laughs> right? Right? It's in those moments that loneliness, uh, the loneliness was gone and the joy was filled even in the midst of my situation when I got that letter or that call or that visit. All of a sudden, for that moment, what I'm going through is out of my mind. And I'm, and I'm, just, I'm just being healed and encouraged by the presence of somebody. The point is that physical company takes, makes situations better. Community is a medicine. In fact, remember in Bible study, I shared with you that part of African tradition is that they believe that diseases was not just a breakdown of the body, but a breakdown in community. And so they would create these rituals and these medicines that they were, they were creating these things for the, with the objective to try to deal with the communal strife that was causing sicknesses in their community. Right? They, they, they believed that com community was so serious that when people got sick, it was, yes, a breakdown in the body, but also it was because it was a lack of community happening. Community has much more value than we give it credit for, and so we suffer in solitude when what God is prescribing, which is community to our hardships, troubles, and affliction, we don't engage in it. But God has graced us with each other, and through regular participation in church, God has prescribed strength, comfort, healing, and relief. Many of us suffer uh, 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 longer because the healing is in the one place we neglect. All right? Think about that. The healing is in the one place we neglect. We don't want to fight to get to the gathering, whatever that looks like. We don't want to fight to pick up the phone and get in the fellowship of people. Solitude can't heal us. It only causes us to perish in despair. The, the world can't heal us. It only causes us to perish to wicked counsel. The healing for the believer is in the organism that God has graced to do that for the believer. But there's a problem. If this is what God is prescribing, why is it being neglected? And I will argue that it's being neglected because most people have never understood church to be that piece. And when you don't understand something, you don't involve yourself in it. But the other reason why is because, because we have a misunderstanding of the church, we understand some of its functions, but we neglect the important function. What's the important function? The prescription of church is neglected because the church has failed to understand its ministry of bearing. It's ministry of bearing. Paul says in Galatians 6, 2, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Now, that may seem like I just swore at you. Why? Because we live in a generation that I got my problems, you got your problems. I ain't, got, I ain't bearing nothing you got, right? The culture we live in, it, 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 it'll promote a helps culture, but not a burden-bearing culture. In other words, I'll give you $5 because you need something to eat. I'll give you some, I'll help pay you, get your rent paid because you're, you, you're about to get evicted. But, but, but the difference between helping and bearing is I can give you $5 and help you get your rent, but that's no long-term commitment to help you through your situation. When it comes to me having to walk, this coach is like, no, I'm not, I'm not about to walk with that. Like, that's your, I, I, I'll help it, but I'm not about to bear it. <laughs> 
right? In fact, the culture will tell you, don't even get distracted by other people's problems. If they got, you need to, you're supposed to slide to the left on them. But that's the way of the flesh. One theologian says that the pagan culture for not, uh, uh, or the non-believing culture, uh, the other person will never become another person's burden. However, Paul tells us that that is actually what we're supposed to become. Paul calls us not to simply help, but to bear the burden, to allow our brothers and sisters in Christ to become a burden. Now, this is opposite of the way of the flesh. It's the way of the spirit. And we're called to not walk according to the flesh, but to walk according to the Yay, the way of the spirit is mutual assistance and mutual burden bearing. Now, to express that, let me reverse engineer this real quick. Paul says that bearing the burden is to fulfill the law of Christ. So what's the law of Christ? The law of Christ is Christ's commandment, and it crushes the selfish ideology of the Christian walk. What do I mean by that? You ever heard somebody say, uh, your walk with Christ is a personal one? Or it's all about, it's just about my personal relationship with God. You typically hear that when people don't want to go to church. I don't gotta go to church. I got a personal relationship with God, right? However, the law of Christ does not promote that or say that. Neither does the Bible. In fact, the law of Christ says something completely different, right? The law of Christ actually says this, John 13, 34. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. This is the law of Christ, to love one another. This is the entire, this, this right here crushes the entire, it's my personal relationship with God and Christ. It's just not biblical. No, you can't save me. I got to take that step by myself. So in a sense, it is about me and God. But then God does not call us to express that relationship in solitude or solely vertical. Instead, he calls us to an outward expression of that relationship in community and horizontally. A personal relationship with God must express itself in a communal relationship with God's people. 1 John 4, 20 and 21. Listen to this. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. The Bible says, if anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, liar. For, here, let's check it out. For he who does not love his brother who he sees cannot love God whom he has not seen. What are we now? The visible representation of, okay. Uh, the visible rep. okay. I'm flowing through him. You hate the person who you see, who is the visible representation of, but then you can say you love me who you can, okay. There's a problem. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Not has the option to, not if you want to, must love his brother. You see the seriousness of it? The scripture says you cannot claim a personal relationship with God without it it's being expressed in a loving relationship with people. So yes, it's personal, but it's called to be lived out in community. So the law of Christ is to love each other and we will do a message on that one day because there's some complexities there. But what you need to understand today is that Paul connects the ministry of bearing to love. Paul says to bear one another's burden is an expression of loving God and loving your brother. So for me not to give a crap about what you're going through and to sit back and watch and be like, that sucks for you, God says that's not love. 1 John 3.17 says this, If anyone with earthly possession sees his brother in need, but withholds his companion, his compassion from him, how can the love of God abide in him? It says if you got something to help somebody and you see somebody in need of it and you don't have compassion for them, he says how in the world could the love of God possibly abide in you? Well, when we think it's just about this, it's easy. But when we come to understand that this is about this, right? God redeemed us 
He reconciled us to himself that we may be reconciled to each other. Paul connects carrying one another's burden to keeping the law of Christ, which moves it from a if we want to, to a command in an essential function of the church. I'm going to hurry. The Greek word for bear, uh, bastazo, literally means to pick up. But it carries the sense of enduring something, whether it is on your behalf or another's. Picking up that thing that is weighing our brother and our sister down and carrying it and assisting them in carrying it. Listen, this is, this is different, y'all. But this is church. This is different. Church is different. We're supposed to be. All right, listen. The Greek word for burden is uh, uh, baros, and it means weight. But, but it's an onerous one. It involves an amount of effort and difficulty that is oppressively burdensome, right? So it's a, it's this, this burden that it's talking about, it's oppressive, right? This means it's not just this one um, moment in life, but it's oppressive. It's this, it, the one word study uh, of the word says that it means um, a weight that is burdening you down that you must carry for a long distance. It's not the thing that, oh, y'all gonna be good tomorrow? That's the help, that's the $5 fix, right? But it's the, no, like, I'm really going through something. I got, I got, I got serious mental health issues, or you know, I got, I got, I got serious issues, and, and this ain't no, this ain't no, this ain't a five dollar fix. This is I need to, I need to be journeyed with. Read uh, Acts chapter 11, 27 to thirty. The overview of it is there's this uh, famine that comes into the land, and so the church in Jerusalem they see that the famine is happening, and it's not in their land. It's happening in Judea, and they're like, oh my goodness, it's a bad famine that's happening down there. And so they gather the churches of Jerusalem together to gather all of their resources to send resources to the church and it ain't they church but they saw the church as one church and so they were bearing the burden of the famine that was going on in their land sometimes life deals us weight that becomes so heavy that we buckle under it and that and, and, and the things that are not meant to crush us because the bible says that the believer these things are not to crush us but the things that are not supposed to crush us begins to collapse our lungs and that burden uh, uh, can look different. For some, it's temptation of porn, alcohol, drugs, and other sexual relationships. Sometimes it's marriage and family and kids. Sometimes it's childhood hurts and pains and mental health disorders, etc., etc. The point is, whatever it is, the church is the prescribed treatment. We are the visible representation of the attributes of God. We are commanded to help carry the load. Rather, it's just to comfort you, bring you joy, bring you peace. Whatever it is, we are to carry the low Bonhoeffer and living together also stated um, again that the, that, the, that the Christian uh, carries the burden precisely because he's a Christian. I had to think about that for a minute too. Sometimes it's like, why should I, just because you, but when you think about the body, if we're truly one body, anything that happens to the body affects me. So yes, just because you're a part of this body, I care about what happens to you. Because if your foot breaks, I got to limp. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? If your eyes get plucked out, I gotta run into walls. I care about what happens to you because it directly affects me because we are one body. Hebrews 13:3. Remember, those who are in prison, as though you are in prison with them. Are you in prison with them? No, but you remember them like you was. And those who are mistreated, you remember the same way. Since you are what? One body. Whatever's happening to you is happening to me because it's affecting me. Or when the church begins to operate in the ministry of bearing instead of the ministry of self, then it can become the prescribed treatment. 
when we stop talking about my personal relationship with God and start talking about my communal relationship with you, then we become the treatment that God is trying to prescribe to our problems. I get it. Some people don't, I don't go because ain't nobody helping me. Because <laughs> the church doesn't understand its role and its purpose and its function. But when the church begins to operate in the ministry of bearing instead of the ministry of self, then it can become the prescribed treatment of God. I'm not going to go into this just for the, the sake of time, but today's independent mindset has deceived people into not allowing the church to be the church either. Right? So there's one side of it where the church is just neglecting to bear the burden, but there's another side when we are not coming to the church to allow the church to bear the burden with us. Amen. There ain't no, there ain't no self-sufficiency. That's a myth. God didn't create nobody to be by himself and figure it out alone. Right? Solitude is great if I'm going away for a time to be with the Lord. But then I need to get right back into community. Jesus went away for a time and then he came right back. Married people, it's so, it's so dope in Corinthians. Paul says, listen, for a season, y'all got to separate. For y'all prayer, do what y'all got to do. He's talking about sex, y'all. Kids in the room. He's talking about married people stuff. <laughs> he says, yes, for a season. Yeah, sometimes, you know, ladies got their stuff, you gotta, you can't. And sometimes they need to go isolate themselves to be in prayer with the Lord. But it said, but don't let it be too long. Make sure you're, why? Because that, that relationship needs to happen. It's healing in that relationship, right? Y'all, okay, y'all get me? Right? It's always a time for solitude, but it's never to be permanent. Get right back. But today's mindset has confused people and we go into isolation when we have problems and we say I got to just deal with it on my own or maybe I feel shame or whatever the case may be but whatever it is get out off get off of that island and get back to the church and let the church be the church and somebody may be thinking I got my own problems and that's true you do but when we begin to operate in the ministry of bearing it doesn't matter because Raheem's carrying my burden and I'm carrying his burden so yeah, and when we're operating in the ministry of bearing, we should all be carrying another person's load and ministering out of brokenness. The only reason we're able to do it though is because somebody's carrying me. And that is because Raheem is helping me, I have a free arm to help Karel. And since Karel is, is, is being helped by me, he has a free arm to help Lorenzo, right? As long as we are operating in the ministry of bearing, yes, we got our stuff still. But we're being carried along by each other, and so even in our brokenness, we're able to still lift. We need each other. Yes. The whole point of what I was just trying to get you guys to understand today is that we need each other, and we need each other more because it's just some routine that we do on Sunday. We need each other because there is, God is actually doing something in his people. What is your burden? Stop neglecting community that God has given you as an expression of love, healing, comfort, and peace. See us more, right? See us more than a place to go to, but a body that you belong to. And let us bear with each other, uh, for we are the prescribed, or the prescription of God. But here's the thing. It only works, it only works if you're a part of the church. Right? And that means if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ died for your sins, rose, proven he was God, you acknowledge that you are a sinner and that you need Jesus to save you and, and in him alone is your salvation. Right? If you've never done that, then you can attend a church and not belong to the community of God. You can attend a gathering and not belong to the true church, the ecclesia of God. 
But we don't want people just to come to service. We want people to belong to God. And so if you have never responded to that call, if you never heard that call, then the Bible tells us that today is the day of salvation. Right? It says today is the day of salvation. Today, if you hear my voice, he says, do not harden your heart. Today. Right? We live in this, mis this misconception of a world that we can wake up tomorrow. We don't. Last week, a lot of death happened. And the more death happened, the more I begin to reflect, like, yo, I really could just not be here. We take it for granted that we're going to see each other every week, that God is gracing us with another day to live. I can get in my car right after this, right? They, they, the, the pastor just did his dad's New Year's Eve service, New Year's Day, and he's not here today. It's nothing's promised to us. And we got this whole mindset of a world that tomorrow I'll do it. But that's why God says today is the day of salvation. Today, if you hear my voice, do not harden your heart. Do not resist my call. If you've never heard the gospel, or it's the first time you heard the gospel, you know that you've never put faith in Jesus Christ. And then I want to make sure we extend that opportunity for it to be done today. Well, there it is. There you have it. You and I, we are God's prescription to each other. In the midst of our hardships and, and tribulations and trials, God is working through us to bring comfort and joy and peace to somebody. And so I pray that we would allow ourselves, we would position ourselves to be used by God in the life of one of our brothers, our sisters. I encourage you, if you do not belong to a local gathering to get involved, belong to one. You are important and they are important to you. And so I pray that after hearing this, you have a different view of church and what it means to be the church and what it means to gather as the church. Do me a favor, go to the app store and download our app, Reach City Church, where you can follow along with us in this series where you can take notes, uh, you can see the sermon outlines, and you can learn more about Reach City Church, a church plant in Cleveland, Ohio. Also, if you can follow us on Instagram, Reach Church CLE, on Facebook, Reach City Church. And if you want to follow me personally, I'm on Instagram at Leonard underscore Tanks and on Facebook at Leonard Junior Tanks. We enjoy you guys and we are thankful that you are listening and we pray that you will continue to listen and that you would share this and let other people know about this series and how it is blessing your life. Until we see each other next week, God bless. <laughs>